Good morning to Radhakala Chanjidam. Good morning to all of the assembled devotees. Always those that are unseen with our material eyes and those of us who are fortunate to feel the energy of the Lord. And that's rare to be able to do that and see him. But just to feel the energy of the Lord is priceless. We're going to cover text. Could someone put the uh, text on the board? I think it's uh, 34. It didn't happen? Yeah. What happened? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All of it smudged. All right. Oh, yeah, that, oh, oh, yeah, second and, okay. (laughs) So before we speak on the scriptures, we always like to um, speak on the love, the love that exists between the Lord and his devotees and The love between Krishna and Radha, Shri Radha, by singing Jaya Radha Madhava. Jaya Radha Madhava, Kunja Bihari. Jai Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jai Gopi Janavallabha Kiri Dari Jaya Gopi Shanavalaba Kirivaradari Yashura Nandana Braja Chadaranjanan Yashoda Nandana Braja Chadaranjanan Yamunatira Vanachari Yamunatira Vanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya 
Jaya Jaya Gornitai, 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 Jaya Jaya Gornitai. Nitai Goro Haribo, 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 Nitai Goro Haribo. You know, just looking at the altar, it reminds me of how personal the association can be with the Lord in his many forms. And, of course, we must be careful about how we speak of our experiences because it is all confidential information and it's not really open to everyone but the point that I'm making is when you really begin to take Krishna conscious seriously when you drop all your guards when you put the false ego underneath the bottom of your foot And when you understand that you are here to play out a role to purify yourself from the material covering that this world has to offer, when you shed all of that, and I think, oh, in one of the Baptist churches that I used to go to as a child, they would say, to where the world... Um, oh, what was it? Uh, let me see if I can put it this way. That the world should affect us in such a way as water falling off of a duck's back. And if you've ever looked at a duck, their backs are so smooth that when the water f- drops on them, it, it just slides right off. So that is the mood that we're supposed to have with this material world. But the point that I'm making is that the relationship with Krishna is possible for any of us. And to the degree of our seriousness is how much that relationship is developed. And because not everyone knows me, but I don't believe in, I don't believe in lying. And especially when you're talking about the Lord, And the point that I want to make is that when we're, thank you so much, when you take to the devotion of the Lord, a totally new world will open up for you. And it is actually like having. Well, not like having. We do have the richest father in the world. He owns everything. Whatever it is you need, and he knows you need it, it is yours. 
and to the degree that you surrender is the degree that Krishna reciprocates. The old saying, Krishna, you take one step, Krishna takes two. Sometimes Krishna overwhelms you with the steps because he will not be outdone by his devotee. So, I'm praying that everyone that hears it here and that hears it internationally, all over the world, takes to the seriousness of Krishna conscious. The challenges you have will be there. We're in the material world. But the rewards are absolutely amazing. And I discovered that when I finally decide to shake my ego and take Diksha from His Holiness Bhakti Tirta Swami. It's very important that we take Diksha from a bona fide spiritual master. And Srila Prabhupada had so many disciples. So there was never a lack of having a bona fide spiritual master. So if you see me, here in the temple, wherever you see me, I'm trying to honor the, uh, the love and the sincerity and the teachings that has been given to me by His Holiness Bhakti Tirta Swami that was handed down by his guru, Srila Prabhupada. So we're going to read uh, on the chapter Prayers by Queen Kunti. Canto 1, chapter 8, text 34, and I understand as beautiful as that writing is, whoever wrote it, I think someone got a little carried away and they smeared it, so you don't really have the opportunity to repeat unless you actually have your phones with you and you can pull it up. So, here goes. Very brief. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya As we're going through chapter 8 we're learning about the prayers of Queen Kunti. And her prayers are so special that there is a book written, and I believe the title is Prayers by Queen Kunti. Because Queen Kunti was so surrendered. Of all the things that she went through in her lifetime, the pain, the hurt, anxiety, all the things that we could possibly imagine could happen to us that would really bring us down emotionally. She went through it, and then she prayed for more of it because during those times, she had the association of the Lord. So she had not lost her mind when she asked for more and more of the calamities because with every calamity and every challenge that any of us has, if you're really noticing, you're not alone. Krishna's right there. You just have to open up your eyes and feel his presence. There's never, ever been a time when any of us have been left alone. Never. No lifetime. 
Paramatma in the heart is always with us and extremely potent and powerful. Stay dedicated to Krishna consciousness. And you will discover that the leelas and the pastimes and the experiences that are had in the Vedic scriptures are actually totally true. So um, this is a brief text. And it's on Brahma. Brahma. There's so many things we can say about Brahma, but this is pretty specific. It says it all. And it's really worth reading and just stopping because it says everything. So I'll try to honor it as best I can with some bit of my understanding of it and some explanation. Okay, the text... Bharadvataranyanye buvo nava ivo dado sidadya budi barina jata hyatma barvatita Bharavatanranayanye buva novo ivo dada sidanta budi barina jato hyatma buvantita Bharavatan Ranyane Buvo Nava Ivodado Siddhatya Budi Parina Jatohiatma Bhuvatita And word for word Bara Avataranya Just to reduce the burden of the world Anye others Uva, of the world. Nava, boat. Eva, like. Udado, on the sea. Sidatya, aggrieved. Aggrieved. Sidatya, aggrieved. Uri, extremely. Parinya. By the burden. Jata. You were born. He? Certainly. Atma Bhuva. By Brahma. Artita? Being prayed for. Now the translation here is others say that the world being overburdened like a boat at sea is much aggrieved and that Brahma, who is your son, prayed for you and as you have appeared to diminish the trouble. Let me read that again. Others say the world being overburdened like a boat at sea is much aggrieved and that Brahma, who is your son, prayed for you. And so you have appeared to diminish the trouble. Purport. Brahma, or the first living being born just after the creation, is the direct son of Narayana. Narayana, a Garbhodakasaya Vishnu, as Garbhodakasaya Vishnu, first of all, 
entered the material universe without spiritual contact, matter cannot create. The principle was followed from the very beginning of the creation. The Supreme Spirit entered the universe, and the first living being, Brahma, was born on a lotus flower grown out of the transcendental abdomen of Vishnu. So don't trouble your mind trying to fathom this because our minds are not capable of understanding this completely or envisioning it actually happening, but it did. At some point in time, you will probably hear this again and go, ah, makes sense. It does. Vishnu is therefore known as Padmanabha. Brahma is known as Atmabhu because he was begotten directly from the father without any contact of Mother Lakshmiji. Lakshmiji was present near Narayana, engaged in the service of the Lord, and still without contact with Lakshmiji, Narayana begat Brahma. That is the omnipotency of the Lord, one who foolishly considers Narayana like other living beings should take a lesson from this. Narayana is not an ordinary living being. He is the personality of Godhead himself, and he has all the potencies of all the senses in all parts of his transcendental body. An ordinary living being begets a child by sexual intercourse, and he has no other means to beget a child other than the one designed for him. But Narayana, being omnipotent, is not bound to any condition of energy. He is complete and independent to do anything and everything by his various potencies, very easily and perfectly. Brahma is therefore directly the son of the father and was not put into the womb of a mother. Therefore, he is known as Atmabu. This Brahma is in charge of further creations in the universe, secondarily reflected by the potency of the omnipotent. Within the halo of the universe, there is a transcendental planet known as Swatavip, Swetavip, which is the abode of Kashira Dakasaye Vishnu, the Paramatma feature of the Supreme Lord. Whenever there is trouble in the universe that cannot be solved by the administrative demigods, they approach Brahmaji for a solution. And if it is not to be solved, even by Brahmaji, then Brahmaji consults and prays to Kashira Dakasaye Vishnu for an incarnation and solution to the problem. Such a problem arose when Kamsa and others were ruling over the earth, and the earth became too much overburdened by the misdeeds of the Asuras. 
Brahmaji, along with other demigods, prayed at the shore of the Kisirodaka Ocean, and they were advised of the descent of Krishna as the son of Vasudev and Devaki. So some people say that the Lord appeared because of the prayers of Brahmaji. And then some people pray, or some people say, that Krishna appeared because Vasudeva and Devaki wanted a son. So either way, the point is, Krishna arrived in the world over 5,000 years ago. Not that he existed at that point in time only. He's always existed. We have always existed. Namon Vishnu Badai, Krishna Basaya Bhutale, Shimadi Bhakti Tirtaswami Tanamani, Namase Krishna Prabhupada Astriatmane, Shri Guru Puruna Shakti Bhakti Tirtaswami, Utrinamane. Brahma Brahma's energy is one of the modes of material nature. He is considered the creator, Vishnu is the maintainer, and Lord Shiva is the destroyer. Is he the only Brahma in the universe? No. There are many Brahmas. There's a brief story about Brahma going to visit the Lord, and before he could take audience of the Lord, he presented himself and said, tell the Lord that Brahma is here. And so the guard or the caretaker of the castle went to Krishna and said, Brahma is here. So Krishna has a, a very wonderful way of making a point and then making a point as such that it gets you to the core of your heart. Sometimes we need that. No, all the time we need that. But Krishna's response was, which Brahma? And I guess Brahma thought he was the only one. Well, he wasn't. There are Brahmas all over the universe some have more than four heads. Some have millions of heads. But the point is, when we think of Brahma, we think of a highly elevated soul. We think of the lifetime of Brahma. And you know what? If we really took the scripture seriously, we would understand how insignificant we are. And that's not to be negative, but it's to... Make the point that no matter where you are, you are not so important that you can live your life on your own without the benefits of being a devotee of the Lord. None of us are that strong. So many times we will hear lectures from sannyasis from gurus that tell us we're not this body, you're not this body. 
your spirit soul. It doesn't really click with us. But here when you think of how long Brahma lived, and even still, Brahma had to leave his body, we have to come to the understanding that there is a point where we are going to leave these bodies. There is a point here. There is a point where we have to leave these bodies. And um, I believe His Holiness Giriraj Swami wrote um, one of the uh, books. Vishnu Priya, what was the name of the book? Life's Final Exam. There are so many books I have to read, but I've heard so many. I have that book, and I would suggest those of you that are here or those of you that will be listening, get the book. But the point that I'm understanding is that every single one of us has a point and a time in life of our destination. Would you believe that even though I imagined myself to be a very intelligent person before I came to Krishna consciousness, I actually believed that I could make a deal with the Lord where I wouldn't have to die. I would just kind of step over into his world. No death. But I'm here to tell you that is complete foolishness. Complete foolishness. You will have to leave this body. But it's not a permanent leaving of a body, you will be transferred to another body based on what your life has been like, what your mood is in at the time of death, and the Lord will make the ultimate decision as to where you're going, whether or not you're going to the spiritual planet, whether or not you're going to Krishna Loka, whether or not you're coming back in the body of an ant or the lowest form of life. And we still don't take these, um, this knowledge seriously. We come and we listen to the lectures, and we take it in, and then we walk out the temple into the material world, and everything that's been told to us kind of drops by the wayside and becomes totally dismissive. if you don't take anything else from this particular lecture, take this point in mind. Every single one of us will leave a body, will leave your particular body at a predestined time. And based on the life that you live, will determine exactly where your soul, which is ever permanent, it's always existed, where your soul is going after you leave these material bodies. Some of us think that, oh, wait a minute. So we know a little bit more than the Lord, so why don't we just live it up? And then at the time of death, when we know we're close to it, we'll just start chanting and thinking about the Lord. You don't always have that time. There was a young man in um, California. He had just come from India. And his goal was to make enough money to send back to his mom, to his family. And 
maybe it was six, seven years ago. But what was horrible is that the um, he was working in a store, and they have cameras. So he was being robbed. The store was being robbed. And it was captured on camera. Unfortunately, that picture or that camera shot of him being shot by uh, a robber ended up in, his parents ended up seeing that. He was not in a position to say no to the robber. He was actually going to give whatever money was there. But this rascal of a fool did not give him an opportunity. He just shot him point blank. I didn't know who he was, but when I heard about it, we're all connected. We're all one family. When we really come to some really, really serious intelligence, we'll realize we are connected. We are family. I felt for his family. I'm saying that to say, I don't think he thought about, maybe he did. Maybe he did think about the Lord. But could you imagine yourself being in that condition and when you are under pressure, fright, in a situation like that, I could almost imagine it. The thing that I would be thinking about is how to get out of this situation and how to protect myself. And the Lord would not be on my mind because it's you're in a fight or flight. First thing that comes to mind, which is why you hear from learned souls that you should chant, read Srila Prabhupada's books, read the scriptures. Take really good association because you are who you are hanging out with. And when you have an opportunity to take prashadam, take prashadam. The thing with chanting is that chanting really should be on your lips or on your mind, wherever you are. If you're working, somewhere in the back of your mind, you can hear that Hare Krishna mantra. It is supposed to be so ingrained in you that never at a point is it not readily available in your mind. Your mind should be on Krishna at the time of death. It would be a glorious death to be surrounded by devotees that are chanting, by you hearing bhajans, but that does not always happen. In one of the books that were written by... um, I know the Giriraj uh, Maharaj's uh, book contains this point, and as does His Holiness Bhakti Tirta Swami. One of his books is How to Live by Dying. And the point is, if you're really ready to be a devotee and to take everything into account and into consideration, picture yourself right now, being given not so much the last rites, but being given the the warning, 
I guess it would be a warning from the doctor, telling you that you have less than 24 hours to leave your body. And I remember being in India and having the opportunity of my guru asking me or asking a class in Mayapur exactly what would you do if you were told that right now, no warning, you have 24 hours to live. And after that, the body that you are living in no longer exists. Let's be real. Think about it for a minute. Whatever you are, whatever you think you are, whatever you have, is going to disappear from your sight in 24 hours. Your belongings, your loved ones, your job, They'll just will somebody, they'll just have somebody else come in when you leave. They're constantly replacing, replacing. Though you think you're important at work, no, you really are not. I remember this corporation that I worked for, they had gotten themselves in such trouble that they thought they'd pass it along to their employees. They made us reapply for the jobs that we had. You know, that was to put us on edge. And I thought, is this the company that's telling us how valuable we are? And here they are minimizing our performances and our work and our good deeds. And they're saying, no, you need to prove that you really can handle this job. So I'm saying that to say, no, you are not as important as you think you are. So I'd like to ask randomly any one of you to volunteer and tell me what you would do if you knew 24 hours from now your soul would leave your body, your body would be disposed of or done with, it would exist no more. You actually have to realize that this life is not, this body is not permanent. Could anyone volunteer and tell me what you would do if you knew that you only had 24 hours to live? 24 hours. What would you do? Who would you contact? Anybody. Wait, wait, I want to make sure we hear this. This is being recorded. Uh, The mic, we were having problems with it at the time, so tap it and see if it's working. Okay, well, for me personally, um, something that's really hard for me to do is to complete, like, 16 rounds. Mm. So I would first try to do that genuinely and try to really meditate on um, Krishna and Radharani. Mm. And then... From there, I would just want to be with my family. Ah, be with your family. And and that's it. You know, those are my two desires. Wow. Like genuinely. 
be fortunate enough to be able to remember to chant at the time of death and to be surrounded by family, wow. What an ideal position. Thank you. Okay, so no one else is off the hook. Prabhu, you have the mic, so why not tell me? You have 24 hours to live. Everything that you think you are, you will not be any longer in 24 hours. What's going through your mind? What would you do? Oh, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Is it, is it on now? It was on. Did you tap it and see? Yeah, so I never thought of this and yeah. I'm still in illusion. I have been in illusion that I'm still young and going to go long. <laughs> so never thought about this. So, but uh, yeah, because I'm keeping my legs in both the boards, spiritual and material. So as Prabhuji said, I'll try to ch- complete my round and then maybe most of my time I would just engage in settling out all the financial matters. So that, you know, people whom I'm going to leave behind, they'll be financially uh, protected. Mm. And if some time left and if my uh, intelligence would work, then probably I'll try to seek association from devotees. And, you know, I mean, I'm not that fortunate, but I mean, if my guru uh, bestow his mercy, then probably I would... um, like to, my desire would be to leave my body in association of devotees. Ah, yeah. That would be so wonderful. But I know it is very difficult, I mean, when it you is. will be in that situation. Yeah. So, yeah. It is, most people are not thinking they're, they're in the fright mode. Because from what I'm understanding, at the time of death, when you're leaving the body, you are not in full capacity of your facilities. You're experiencing feelings in the body that are leaving, such as the lower extremities begin to lose their sensation. You become confused. And that's the catchy part that gets me, because at that point, I want to be so deep into my Krishna consciousness that no matter how confused I am, I can think of Krishna. But that is no guarantee. And what if all this planning that you're doing, you know, financially to make sure everyone's okay, what if the finances that you're leaving to whoever these important family members are, do you ever think that they will travel the same path as you? What I mean is most of us and most parents or most children who have their parents still living want to leave something behind for their parents or their child's life. What if you're leaving behind funds that are not going to go toward devotional service or Krishna consciousness? Then are you aiding and abetting a, an asura? Are you, do we even think about that? Someone, someone mentioned that to me when I said, well, I'd like to leave my family uh, some type of Lakshmi, but then what if this person does not use the Lakshmi according to how I want them to use it? Is that going to have an impact on me? We don't know. We, we really don't know. But I think that we should be real 
and realize step by step, every step by step, you are in a position to leave your body at any time. I'm not trying to psych anyone out and scare anyone, but the point is, in order to live properly, you have to have felt that you've died. Because when you have gone through that, then you understand how precious the life form is, how important it is, and how you have not done all the things that you wanted to do, and those things are not necessarily material things. They're spiritual. The credits that you get from spiritual life, they don't, they don't evaporate. They don't just fall by the wayside. They continue lifetime after lifetime. And if nothing else, you want to have enough credits to be able to come back into a body, the body of a human being. That's not always guaranteed. But it's something that we should think about. Did you want to say something? I just want to mention that my Guru Maharaj used to say that uh, uh, instead of, you know, uh, doing art of living, yes. we should uh, study art of dying. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. We should be prepared so that, uh, you know, when we practice the art of dying, when it actually begins to manifest, you're not scared because you've already had this experience mentally. You've already gone through it. You've kind of prepared for this performance. So it's almost like you get into gear. Okay, I'm going to chant the Maha Mantra. No disturbances. And I'm just going to focus on Krishna. I also understand that at the time of death, you become, you think you're psychic now. You become extremely psychic. You begin to see things that you were capable of seeing before, but your senses are so heightened that you can start to read minds. You can tell people what will happen. And maybe it's a good thing sometimes that we don't we lose our voices or we aren't able to communicate because there's some things that we may see that we probably shouldn't share with people. But in order to live, we do, we should practice the art of dying. Absolutely. And as I was saying, if we think that we're not going to, and really, in the scriptures, there are constants that are always being repeated. The constant is, you're not this body. You're spirit soul. You're not this body, your spirit soul. That one point is what gets us into trouble in the material world. That very point is what gets us into trouble. That we think that we are not whoever this other person is. We're not related to them. We actually are. We're a part of them. We're your family. Today, you are a male. Tomorrow, if you leave the body, you may become a female. The whole point in the scriptures is there is a life that we have forgotten about. There is a life, 
in which we had wonderful, loving moments with Krishna, where all our desires were met because our desires were focused on pleasing Krishna. And it doesn't mean that you're enslaved by Krishna. It means that you love him so much, like whoever the greatest love of your life is, beyond that is how much you love Krishna and want to serve him. That's the mood in the spiritual world. We've forgotten it. So for the brief time that we're on this planet, we need to realize that we need to get, how do they say, all of our ducks in a row to get everything in order, to live as if this moment is the last moment. And then you can really begin to live. There's a quote, and then I'll end at this point. There's a quote in the um, Sri Shapanishad, and I only remember it because it says so much, even in the brevity of it. It's near Cha Bhakti Bhajam. That phrase carried me in the corporate world because there was so much demonic energy in corporations. But just that connection, I would paste it across the, the computer. And I remember management coming in, and out of all the desks that they could visit, management visits my desk because I have it written out in Sanskrit. And obviously, of course, they do check your, your where you work. I mean, at night, other people are going through the departments and looking. This puzzle, the management system, and he wanted to know, what is this? I think actually he thought it was maybe some type of curse that I was wishing upon him. And I told him what it was. And initially he had been such a pain. He had been such a nonsense that when he heard the humility, the straightforwardness of that statement, he began to act different from that point until the point where I was no longer in the company. So... That point says, whatever you think you're going to be or do at the time of death, whatever you think your life is going to be like, is based, totally based, on what you're doing from moment to moment. But the key word is devotion. Key word is devotion. Bhakti yoga, devotional service, devotional path, bhakti yoga path. It is very important to stay on the devotional path because in that sense, we are in love with the object of our affection. And that object of affection, who loves us dearly, who is our ever-well-wisher, is Krishna. We need to remember this. If you don't, put it on a shelf and revisit it later. But you need to live in such a way that at any time, anything could happen. And again, I'm not wishing anything on anyone. I pray for longevity in life, that you find your way to stay on the devotional path. But the point is, you cannot live freely until you've let that thought go of, I'm going to die. What do I do? Go ahead mentally and do it, and then go on and live. 
the life of a devotee. But before I close, Nishra uh, Bhagavat, I want to know what you would do at the time of death. Or let's say someone gave you the news. How would you handle it? We're going to have to get another microphone. Uh, Releasing that into the energy. We, we're going to get another microphone. <laughs> yes, Prabhu. Ram Ram Hari Hari. Oh, yes. The spiral road to Golden Gate Bridge. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does help. It does. This is what you're dreaming someone shot you a few times, just in case they can't hear this. Yes. Mm. Wow. Amazing. You remember that even even in your sleeping state. Wow. That that's motivation. <laughs> You're in Israel. Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay, of course, this is the dream, right? Uh, because for a moment, okay, dream, uh, Israel, guard had an AK-47, and he was shooting you, and, and you remembered to chant, or did you? Oh, good, good, good. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very special. It is, it is, and hopefully your life plays out. Thank you. D did you have more? We're really fortunate then we can be have a have a send off. Oh, by devotees. Yes. Um, yes. That's in that book, you know. I think uh, 
we celebrated Kirtida's disappearance, appearance or disappearance mm-hmm. the other day. Um, why are we celebrating the, you know, what's one of a rank and file devotee's uh, life? It's because she, we watched her go back to Godhead. That was very um, amazing. How long ago was that? The mother it was around it was the year before Goswami died. Mother Kirta, what is two thousand one? Two thousand one. And anybody who was here in the community can attest that she, she went. She went to the spiritual world, and she was sent off with a roaring kirtan. It was beautiful. Wow. I was in Mayapur one time, and I was asked to come to somebody. There was a Mataji who was passing away. Mm-hmm. Her name was Sachi, and she was 40 years old. Mm, so young. Yeah, she, and she looked like a young woman. You know, she didn't mm-hmm. look like an older person dying. It was like here's, you have somebody who looks young, but there, she was sick, and she was leaving her body. Mm-hmm. So I spent an hour on the harmonium and chanting, you know, I took a turn. And everybody took a turn. Mm-hmm. So I left there around 10 o'clock at night, I remember. Um, you know, I'd done all I could that day. Right. And the next morning, uh, I was at the travel agent in Mayapur, you know, on the, in the long building. In the long building, right. You know, just mm-hmm. getting some tickets. And then somebody comes in and says, Mother Sachi left her body. Mm. So she really, uh, she, she was a fortunate person. She had that yes, she loving, loving devotees chanting Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Um, mm. I understand that uh, George Harrison, when he died, uh, Mukunda and a few other devotees, Maharaj and a few other devotees were oh, there. Oh, yeah. George Chant. Harrison, requ- didn't he request that the devotees be at his uh, bedside at the time of death? Or yes. did he? So they were there chanting for him. M- Mukunda? When he left. Yeah, Mukunda Maharaj when he left Maharaj. his body. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's such a great opportunity, you know, and so if, if we have, uh, if we built up the relationship with the Vaishnavas over in our life that they uh, come to our side at at that crucial moment. And George Harrison did quite a bit for the uh, ISKCON, the Krishna Conscious Movement, from what I'm understanding. Did he give up his residence or some property for the devotees in uh, England? He gave us the Bhaktivedanta Manor. Oh, the Bhaktivedanta Manor he gave. Got a lot of Lots use out of, of that. Lots of positive energy he got from that. But to always end on a high note, to always end, and that's why that um, that shloka reminds me from time to time that all is not lost, that possibly, we're fortunate enough we have an opportunity and if we can remember to serve in our lifetimes with love and devotion according to the scriptures, not according to what we make up to be love and devotion, but if we serve with love and devotion, our destination changes and it can change for the positive and it can have an Im- a very 
positive impact on how we leave the world. So again, translation, chapter 8, text 35, again. And this was written, oh my gosh, this information is timeless because it can be said of what's happening right now. And the translation again is, others say that the world being overburdened, like a boat at sea, is much aggrieved, and that Brahma, and this is a conversation that's being had, who is your son, prayed for you. And so you have appeared to diminish the trouble. And that's something we need to understand. When the world is at a point that it has absolutely hit rock bottom, from time to time you think it's already hit rock bottom. Krishna is always appearing in our lives internally as Paramatma. You are never without help. And in addition to the Maha Mantra, pray when you're going through a particular situation. Krishna is always there. Never for one moment are you lost. What's important is that you take to the qualities and the requirements of the scriptures and have the personality of a devotee. There are standard qualities that are mentioned in the scriptures, and I think in the Bhagavad Gita also at the end, of what entails or what and what a devotee is. It describes a devotee. And when I'm being really honest with myself, I'll look at those points and try to see how close I am. Because if you think you're a devotee and you're not carrying any of those qualities, think again. It's important. Open your eyes. Be very real with yourself and understand why you're here. You have felt that you want to be treated like the Lord, like Krishna. Maybe he was really having such a good time in your eyes in the spiritual world that you wanted to be like him. Though that nonsense can't be tolerated because Krishna is Krishna. All, everything we would want, he is. So he manifests the material world for us to play out this little scenario and he gives us the opportunity to burn up whatever energy or karma that has us thinking that we should be the Lord. And if we do it successfully, this may be the last time where we actually have to experience a material body. So I'll end at this point. Anyone have any comments or any questions? Anything? Yes, Prabhu. The, uh, to be a member of the Communist Party of China, mm-hmm. one has to be an atheist. They have to believe that there's no such thing as God mm. and that any such beliefs are just simply superstition. So I was kind of... And then, of course, a lot of people want to be part of the 
Chinese Communist right. Party because they feel that it's the most powerful organization in the world. Mm-hmm. But then they to be a member of that dominant government power, they they have to disavow God. You know, they have they have to they have to uh, say that there's no such thing as God. They have to they can't have any religion in their life. They ha- they can't be worshiping anybody but the government. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get this right. They worship the government. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine telling that to an American nowadays? <laughs> you can only worship the government, and that's what you're saying the, the Communist Party requires of yes. a member. Yeah. Unbelievable. So I, I was, that's, that's, that's kind of my question was, was, was is, Because it's unbelievable, I'm trying to understand how how one can actually really think like that. How, mm. how just write it off to say there's no God. You know, I was, I was just. I mean, how how can somebody? How can somebody actually ha- think? Yeah, right. There is how, no God, and live a life according to that thought, and. Somewhere in the scriptures, I remember reading that an atheist, which is pretty much what you're describing, is someone who has been truly disappointed somewhere along the line in life, and they have not discovered a connection with the Supreme Lord, their maker, and they have just given up on anything and everything. And in their mind, they create something that resembles the Lord. And yet, they don't believe in the Lord, but yet, they want you to worship a government in the way that you would worship the Lord. So somewhere in the back of their minds, they know there's someone powerful that needs to be worshipped. They just have their bearings wrong. They just have a misunderstanding of who it is they're supposed to be worshiping. Because they know they know there's a power that's powerful, that's worshipable, and they've made that power the government. And if anyone has ever lived in any country um, and with even a minimum degree of intelligence, they would have to know that one does not worship a government, a body of individuals. That's like saying multiple, multiple, multiple gods. There is only one God, and that is Lord Krishna. He is known by many, many names, but there's only one. But it's interesting that they term their party, the, the Communist Party, or that government, worshipable. Because in essence, they do have the ability to worship a higher authority. They just have the wrong authority. But yes, that's what I, that's what I remember reading. An atheist is someone who's been really disappointed in their life. And the fact that they can convince so many people to follow them is amazing. I'm always saying, never follow anything blindly. 
always question, always, always question. How do you make up a God? And most people may think that about any religions, but when you are still long enough and you communicate with the Lord, even though you may not have a clear picture of him, the Lord being as merciful as he is, and if he knows that you are sincere enough and you want to know him, he will drop certain situations and certain hints in your life that no one else could do. There will be things that stand out in your life, and you'll go like, how did that happen? It must be a miracle. doesn't make sense. How is this possible? Nothing is possible unless Krishna makes it possible. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, as devotees and as spiritual warriors and as devotees of the Lord, it is our responsibility to get this message out to the universe. If it's one by one, it's one by one. Whatever form of communication Krishna allows you, take to it and do it seriously. Because if you understand this properly, if you understand devotional life under whatever religious uh, title, name you give it, whether you get Baptist, um, whether it's from the Quran, whether it's from the, the Bible, um, If it's a bona fide religion, you will have to understand if the information is being disseminated properly, there is a God. And according to your sincerity in knowing him, you will know him. But he's not to be played with. You don't play with the Lord. You don't bargain with the Lord. You take him seriously, and he'll take you seriously and show you a world that you will never, ever imagine. So that's all that I'm asking that any of us do take to the Maha Mantra seriously. Understand it. Try to understand it. And try to develop your relationship with the Lord. And guaranteed, when you do, you will never, ever want a relationship like that with anyone else. You will never be completely satisfied with anyone else because you will have the ultimate relationship, the ultimate love that no one in all the worlds can match. So I'll end at this point. Um, Later on for, um, and again, today I just wanted to mention that we're honoring the disappearance of His Holiness Bhakti Tirta Swami. According to the um, ISKCON calendars, it was about two weeks ago, but because there was so much going on, we delayed it for today. So one of the things that I do want to say about the spiritual master is when you have a spiritual master, 
and it's the right one, you will have a connection with him that is different from anyone else's, any other disciple's connection. And it should mimic the connection that Srila Prabhupada had with his disciples. And that as long as you're in your body, you should be living a life according to your spiritual master's guidelines, and they should always be the guidelines of the parampara, the guidelines that lead all the way up to Krishna. And I must say that it is a challenge to lead that life, but it's a wonderful opportunity that I've been given to take to his lifetime the experiences he had and fortunately, like so many other uh, gurus and sannyasis, he's written a spiritual warrior series that I have been having as a teleconference for probably 12 years now. I do it once a week. And once a week, we will read one of his books and discuss it according to how everyone understands it. And it's an enlivening experience. It's a very enlivening experience. And it was one of his ways, as was Srila Prabhupada's, of leaving something behind so that people can stay connected. Stay connected to Srila Prabhupada's books. And feel free to read the other, um, his other disciples' books. But we'll end at this point. Uh, maybe later I'll talk more about the experiences I have with Guru, but we'll end here. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Gaur Pramananda. Yes, it's